The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. This past week, one of my friends on Facebook posted a video uh, on his wall, a YouTube video, uh, of a scene from the movie Forrest Gump, which we've probably all seen by now, right? Although some of you are young enough, you're like, Forrest what? I don't know what that is. Um, but Forrest Gump, movie uh, popular, I don't even want to talk about how many years ago it was, because I think I was in high school, but... Um, <laughs> you remember the scene where uh, Forrest Gump first goes into the military, and the drill sergeant comes up and gets right in his face, and he says, Gump! What is your sole purpose in this army? And uh, Forrest Gump, without thinking about it, because he doesn't have to think about anything, he's Forrest Gump, says, to do whatever I tell you to, whatever you tell me to, drill sergeant. And uh, the drill sergeant then goes on a profanity-laced tirade about what a genius Forrest Gump is. <laughs> <laughs> that he knows his sole purpose in the army is to do whatever the drill sergeant tells him to do. Um, and I wonder if I ask you, what is your sole purpose not in this army but in, in life, if you would be able to give a response that's as concise and clear as Forrest Gump's. And of course, we all think of Forrest Gump as a simpleton, but the I think the whole point of that movie in some ways is that he, really, he figured out life a little better than people who were maybe higher in IQ than he was and so forth. But most of us find life a little more complicated than Forrest Gump found life. And so our answer to the question, what is your sole purpose in life, would probably be, um, can we get coffee sometime? <laughs> Because it's going to take me a couple of hours to tell you what I think about that, if I've ever thought about it. And also, could it be a couple weeks from now so I could write some notes down in between now and then? Now, if you're a, if you're a Christian, and I, many of you are, if not most of you, um, but not all of you, you might say, well, my purpose in life is to live according to biblical values, right? And that's an admirable thing to say. But the truth is, isn't that a little bit too vague? When you say biblical values, what you mean by that is probably different from what I mean by that, and it's probably different from what somebody else means by that, and it's certainly different from what somebody in Georgia, the country, uh, means by that. (laughs) We all have a different emphasis in our lives. And Some people are drawn to evangelism, which is a biblical value, and others are drawn to discipleship, which is a biblical value, others to outreach, others to caring for the poor, others to personal holiness. Some people feel their hearts stirred about serving and ministering to people in far-flung places like Uganda and Indonesia, which we've talked at length about over the past few months. Others feel their hearts stirred 
by serving and ministering to the people right here in our city, maybe even right in your neighborhood or in your, on your street, maybe right next door to you. All of these things are biblical values, and we'll use the scare quotes, <laughs> biblical values. So it, it, I think it makes sense to learn and, and think about yourself and think about which ones stir your heart and to spend your days focusing on, especially on those values. See, when you're, this is the, this is the thing that I say a lot to people, um, especially people I'm doing premarital counseling with, because they're, they always feel like they're at the very beginning, the outset of life in some ways. They've, they've lived 20 or so years, give or take a few, but, but now they are pushing the reset button <laughs> and starting something new, and I always say to them the following. If, you, if your values are clear and strong, they will provide guidance for almost any important decision in your life. If you are clear on your values, they will dictate your circumstances and life. But if you're not clear on your values, you are in some trouble because your life, then, is going to force your hand and your decisions. And it's then going to be your life which is dictating your values rather than the other way around. So you have to figure out what you truly care about and what your life is really going to be about before you have to make any difficult decisions. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up to be cast about on the waves that life inevitably brings. And it's the same way with organizations. That, that principle is so true for individuals and for families, but it is also true for churches. And if you were to say, well, it's obvious what a church's values should be, they should, you know, all, all churches should value the same things, Jesus and the Bible, you know, normal Christian stuff. But you have the same problem with churches that you do with individual Christians, that if you are that vague about it, then that doesn't help you make any decisions. It doesn't help you decide what, what we're going to do as a church this Saturday. And maybe even more importantly, it doesn't help us decide what we're not going to do as a church this Saturday. So just like people who don't define their values ahead of time end up allowing their life to define their values for them, a church that doesn't define, define its values ahead of time would allow life to define its values for it. Does that make sense? And so today as we conclude this summer series, which has been one of, a longer, one of our longer series, uh, about what the church is all about, what is the church? I want to take a few minutes and tell you uh, about what makes Artisan Church unique, why we exist, what our values are, and where we're going. And uh, for some of you who have been around a long time, you'll know all of this by heart. You could even come up and preach the rest of this sermon for me, right? Maybe not. Um, but many of you are, are brand new in the room. I met some people, of a few different people this morning who are here for the first time, and this will be helpful to you, and some of you are fairly new, you've only been hanging out for a while, so I hope this will be uh, useful to you.
and it will be a, a, a nice way for you to see how we as a church um, have decided our values ahead of time so that they will help us figure out what we are going to do and what we are not going to do. Do you remember earlier I asked you to share a weird name that you had given to something? Um, and the truth is, Artisan Church is kind of a weird name. <laughs> In fact, the number one answer I get, or a question I get, when I'm at, you know, at a conference for pastors or if I'm in a neighborhood meeting or something and I tell them I'm the pastor of Artisan Church, the number one question I get right away is, oh, that's an interesting name. What does that mean? Um, many of you have asked me that question. Many of you in this room have asked me that question. So our name expresses our desire to creatively live out the mission that God has given us. And the name Artisan um, is derived somewhat from a verse in the Bible. It's very important to us as a church. It's Ephesians 2.10. Um, you, you guys who went to, like, Bible quizzing camp can probably recite Ephesians 2.10. Um, but all the normal people in the room don't know exactly what this says yet. <laughs> it says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Avila, if you could leave that up there for just a minute. I want to kind of soak that in. <clears throat> now, we are God's workmanship. This is actually the NIV translation, which is uh, not the one that we usually use here. But I like the way they translated this word, uh, our translation that we typically use, the NRSV, uh, says we are what God made us, and that, that, that works too, but we are God's workmanship. Uh, the New Living Translation says we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. So God is the master artisan, the master craftsman creating everything, all the beauty you see around you when you leave this place, including us. And he created us to be part of his redemptive design. You and I are called simply to be faithful apprentices, apprentices of Jesus, to do the, the good work that he has called us to do, sharing his blessings with our friends and our families and our neighbors and our communities and the world. So we're called Artisan Church because we are made in the image of a God who is in the business of doing masterpieces. God's creative impulse descends to us by the fact that we are made in his image. And so Yes, it has a lot to do with the fact that we have artists and craftspeople uh, in the room in a higher percentage per capita than the average church, and I think that makes sense uh, given our history and our, our, the culture that we've had here. But God is the master artisan, and we want to, to live into the calling of what he has prepared for us to do. So that's our name, Artisan Church. But like any good modern 20th, 21st century organization, we also have a mission statement. Um, you have to have something that you can etch on a plaque in the lobby. So we have one of those. Um, our mission is one of the things that we're very proud of. It's to encounter God, to embrace people, and to engage culture in the way of Jesus. 
there's three things that we do and a way that we do them. We encounter God. So we hope and expect that when you come to this place for worship gatherings and even when you come here for other things, for uh, parties and events and that kind of thing, that you are encountering God. If we're not doing that, first and foremost, we are doing something wrong. And we want to embrace people, all people, who God brings before us. And we want to engage culture. So we're not just encountering God and em- embracing people in an abstract way, and you know, we're not an internet church that seeks to reach anybody who has an internet connection. We're a local church in a specific part of a specific city, in a specific state and country, and you see where I'm going. And we have a specific culture that we are trying to engage with. And we want to be encountering God and embracing people in a way that makes sense to the people who are actually part of our culture. Those three things that we do are in an order for a reason. Those are, those are in order of importance, and the first two are kind of in some ways much more important than the third one because um, my friend Jason, one of the former pastors here, was fond of saying, you could be a cultural doofus. <laughs> and if you're in, encountering God and embracing people, you're probably going to still be doing the work of the church. And then, of course, you could be doing all three of those things and never mention the name of Jesus. And you, you might be a nice bunch of people. You might even be a successful and meaningful organization, but you wouldn't be a church. The church is the body of Christ, and so everything that we do, we do it in the way of Jesus. We don't just do it because it's something that we think would be fun. We do it because we're following the example of the Son of God. So our name, Artisan, our mission to encounter God, embrace people, and engage culture in the way of Jesus. And now we come to our values. I promised I would tell you about our values. These are our guides. These are the things that keep us on track. These are the things that help us determine all the things that we're going to do and not do together. The values themselves are very biblical. Remember we said biblical values kind of in scare quotes earlier? These values are highly biblical. So biblical, in fact, that when we develop these values, we, we have like 10 passages of Scripture for each one, all of which I will read to you now. No. <laughs> We don't have that much time, um, but lest I be accused of preaching an entire sermon and only using one verse, Ephesians 2.10, from the Bible, I want you to know that there's tons of biblical support for all these, and if you want to find out what it is, um, I have them written down here. We could, I could give them to you afterwards. You can also go to our website, artisanchurch.com, slash about. Our mission, vision, and values are all right there, and the, the scripture verses are right there underneath each value, and you can click a link, and it will open them up for you, and you'll get to read the Bible passages right there in, in, on your screen. In fact, if you have a, a, a fancy phone and want to do that while I'm talking, you can do that, uh, and you can follow along with those Bible verses. But we have five biblical values, and they are not only biblical, but they are also very much the ones that stir our heart. Remember, No one person or organization can 
live out the entirety of the Bible with complete consistency all the time. So these are the ones that make our heart pound a little bit harder in our chest. The first biblical value is the value of awe. And our statement of the value of awe says, we humbly recognize the sovereign power, reverent mystery, and gracious wonder of God, who is worthy of our worship and full devotion. When I talk about the value of awe, I usually get all theological for a minute. And I'll do that now but just for a minute, so don't worry. Um, Theologians speak about God in in a lot of different ways. One of the ways they talk about God is having dual tendencies sort of of being both imminent and transcendent. And uh, when you go to seminary, if you ever do, I don't necessarily recommend it, uh, but you'll hear about imminence and transcendence. God is both imminent, meaning very near, super close. Jesus has a brother, that sort of thing, but also transcendent and bigger than you could ever comprehend. And if the tendency, I think, in churches is to talk about God in one way or the other and sometimes neglect the one that you're not talking about. So we embrace both of those things, but this particular value of awe speaks to God's transcendence, that he is bigger and more powerful and wiser than we could ever understand. And it sort of admits up front that we do not have a box big enough to, put, to stuff God into. <laughs> so we're not even going to try, we're just going to be in awe. Sort of like how I thought I should explain that song and then realized there's no explanation to be made. Sometimes that is true of God, that there is no explanation to be made in this moment. The only thing to do is to sit in awe. The second value is beauty. This is one of the things that makes artisan what it is. We are inspired by the breathtaking artistry of our creator and seek to reflect that beauty in all we do as we co-create with him. I mentioned the beauty of the outdoors earlier. If you've ever gone to, I mean, it's, it's pretty enough out here. Um, and by the way, all the Rochester weather whiners have been so silent lately on Facebook. <laughs> oh, the snow, will it ever be over? All winter long, and then we have like six weeks of sunshine with not a drop of rain, and nobody's like, oh, isn't the weather awesome? Oh, man. Welcome to Western New York. What a bunch of crybabies. Um, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> well, yeah. That's right. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, my goodness. Uh, if I buy you a plane ticket to San Diego where it's nice all year round, will you never talk to me again? <laughs> I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Stir said Yes. <laughs> Um, I, have to, I have to leave that for now. I need to get back on track. Um, <clears throat> beauty. So the beauty of this creation. And, I mean, even if you just look out of that hill with the scraggly grass that, you know, is kind of like there's poison ivy and everything, you think, wow, that's kind of pretty. You go to a place like Letchworth or 
uh, the Grand Canyon or Vancouver uh, or <laughs> I've heard it's nice. Um, <laughs> and it's even more, and you think, again, not in a way that's swearing, but as a prayer, oh my God. Wow. This is the creator that we worship, the one who made these things. And again, part of being made in the image of a creator God is that we are creators as well, and so we co-create. And we love art in all its forms. And art doesn't have to have a little Bible verse at the bottom of it to make it Christian or good or something. Music doesn't have to have explicitly Christian words to be expressing the creative beauty and impulse that the artist has as a result of being made in the image of God. Art is beautiful and true. And if you're making art that is beautiful and true, I don't know that you could be doing anything more godly, even if it doesn't have a precious moments figurine somewhere in it. Third value is roots. Roots, we are deeply rooted in the historic Christian faith as revealed in Scripture and worked out in the life of God's people through the ages. We are a church that's about six and a half years old. We're part of a denomination that is uh, about 150 years old, 125 years old. We are part of a, a branch of Christendom that is about 500 years old. Before that branch broke off, the branch it was on before, that's about a thousand years old. And before that branch broke off and there was just the trunk of the tree, that's about 2,000 years old. And before Christianity, there was Judaism, which is where the roots of Christianity are. And that's another couple thousand years old. And we worship a God who has been present in creation for its entire history. Somebody just said, which is about 6,000 years old. Um, we're not going to go down that road today. I will tip my hand and tell you I think the number is a little bit higher. Uh, but roots, we are deeply rooted in this entire history of God's work. We are not just a six-year-old church that came on the scene and had all the answers and suddenly everything was what it was supposed to be all along and we figured it out. That is BS. It does not work that way. We are part of something much bigger, much older, much wiser than ourselves. We are rooted in the historic Christian faith as revealed where? Well, firstly, in the Bible, in Scripture, but also as worked out by those people, by God's people throughout the ages. And so both of those things are important to us. Um, the Bible we consider to be the ultimate authority and the, the rule of our faith. But you have to understand 
and accept that the Bible didn't just drop in our hands 10 minutes ago or 50 years ago or 1,500 years ago. It was written before that, and then it was codified by the people, and it was interpreted by people, and all of that history is important to us and relevant to us. If you, if you read the Bible today and come up with something that nobody's ever thought before, red flag, uh-oh, maybe, maybe you're right, but you're probably wrong. <laughs> I love C.S. Lewis 50, 60 years ago. I mean, by like C.S. Lewis, I care what C.S. Lewis said about the Bible. You know who I care more what, said about the, what they said about the Bible? Irenaeus. Irenaeus was a disciple of somebody named Polycarp, who was a disciple of somebody named John, who was a disciple of maybe you've heard of him, Jesus. Right? So just like my great-grandmother understands things that her mother said to her a lot better than I do, I understand it a lot better than somebody in my line 2,000 years from now would understand it. Does that make sense? So roots are very important to us, and history is very important to us. And we do all this modern stuff. We've got nice speakers and fancy lights and uh, electronic microphones and computers that beam things all around the world. But we are part of a Christian faith that antedates all of that. And so our roots matter. Fourth value is community. We are a covenantal family of authentic relationships and reconciliation in the image of God, there's that phrase again, who exists in perfect communion as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet one God. And so, yes, we are a close-knit community, and we have friendships and deep relationships, and we seek to make those relationships um, a source of inspiration and strength in our faith, and we grow in Christ together. And some of us live near each other, and we, we spend time with each other's houses and play with each other's kids and dogs and knock each other's cats off our laps, and um, we spend time together. But we're not just pals. The community that we embrace and that in which we exist is once again a reflection of the image of God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet one. We are individuals who are friends and come together for the, the sake of growing in the faith together, and yet we are one body. And our fifth value is justice. We are captivated by the heart of God for hurting people and a suffering creation, seeking to bring compassion to those needs and a just end to their underlying causes. Our motivation, again, is the heart of God. And note the mention and distinction in this value statement between two things, compassion and justice. And our value is called justice, not compassion, for a reason. We care about compassion, which is meeting an immediate need, but we care even more about justice, which is fixing the system so that the need 
doesn't arise as soon as we walk away. If you imagine a, a dangerous riverbank where people could slip and fall in and drown, and in fact they have been doing that, you could address that in a couple of different ways. This is a metaphor. Um, you could stand by the riverbank with a life preserver, and every time somebody falls in, you throw it out, and you get all sweaty-browed and haul them in. That would be compassion. Yes, absolutely. If you're by a riverbank and someone falls in, grab whatever you can and help them get out. You know what would be even better? How about you build a fence along the riverbank so that people can't fall in anymore? That's justice. Here's a problem with compassion and justice. Which one gets you on the evening news? Compassion. That's a little more, uh, whoa, saved a life, dragged them out of the river. If you put up the fence, you might save 100 lives and never have to be there again and no one would be the wiser. Uh-oh. <laughs> no one would be the wiser? I don't know. Compassion's pretty important too, right? Yeah. So yes, we care about compassion, and sometimes in the moment, compassion is all you have. You can't fix the system right now. You are still called to bring help to someone in need. But if your whole life is hopping from compassionate act to compassionate act and never doing works of justice, you're not going to leave as much of a legacy, and you're not actually going to be doing as permanent a work. So our fifth value is justice. Now I'll say something about these five values, awe, beauty, roots, community, and justice. They are what drive us. They are what help us make decisions. If we have a big question on our mind as a church, we go to them. Um, a little over a year ago, when we made the, a staffing change, and I, I, I took over as a, the so-called senior pastor. I'm not really old enough to be a senior, but a, that's a word that sometimes people use. My first thought was not, okay, now I'm going to do all the things that I really want to do. I'm going to get us on a track. My first thought was, no, we have a mission statement, and we have five values. And my only job as a pastor when it comes to leading this organization of people is to return us to those values that come before all of the other decisions we've ever, we've ever made, all the places we've been, all the people who've been here, all the ministries we've started, all the people we've helped, the gospel that we've proclaimed. All of this flows from our values. And so if we ever have a question, these five values that we've, I've just shared with you, are, those are where we go, and those give us our answer. And sometimes we do better at one and not as good at another. Five values is kind of a lot of things, even for a small, fairly agile organization like Artisan Church. Five is quite a lot to keep, in tra keep track of, and, you know, sometimes we feel like the kid putting his finger in the holes in the dam, you know, and, and you can only reach so far, and, and, oh, we're not doing so great with community. We've got to do some community stuff, and now we can't reach the whole uh, injustice, so we've got to do that. 
right? And so at various times in our life, we've been great at one and not so great at the other, and um, I think that's kind of normal and to be expected. But our life as a church ought to be spent trying to live out all five of these values. Um, Anna, would you come up for just a minute? Anna Valeria Eisman is a, a member of our leadership team, and um, she's going to talk specifically about that last value a little bit and something that we're doing specifically for that, um, the value of justice. Now, we've done, as you know, if you've been here, some really great work in that justice value over the last year. Um, almost all of it has been overseas. We've uh, we have built rainwater collection tanks in Uganda, which is, that's a justice thing. We're not just handing somebody food. We're putting something sustainable in their community that collects rainwater and helps their health for a generation. Uh, we've just, a couple of weeks ago, commissioned our, our friends, Carolyn and Ryan, to do development work and missions work in Indonesia. And uh, that's a, they're going to be doing great works of justice there. In, one of the, in, the, in the province of a country that was hit hard hardest by the 2004 tsunami. That's great. That justice work overseas is very important to us, but we've made a conscious decision this year to, to help our focus return to local justice. And again, caring about the people who are right here in our city with us. Uh, and Anna is probably the most passionate person I know personally about this topic. And so I've given her a few minutes this morning. She wants to share something that um, we're going to be doing and um, you'll hear more from her in a couple of weeks, by the way, but for now. Uh, yeah. Hi. Um, okay, so I guess I'm going to try and stick with three pieces of information so that you can hold me to that. I won't ramble. Um, what I'm doing, kind of why I'm up here talking about this, um, some upcoming dates to jot down and remember, and then just a little bit about the upcoming series. And you're, that's starting next week, right? Okay. Um, so I've been on the leadership team. I was trying to think of how many years I've been on the leadership team, and I count it by how many retreats I've been on. <laughs> um, and that's been four. So this is, I think this is the start of my fourth year on the leadership team here at Artisan. Um, I'm also a seminary student at Northeastern, studying a master's in theology and social justice. And I'm a, a full-time outreach worker for the Rochester General Health System, which means that I spend most of the work week in homeless shelters and halfway houses and inpatient units and emergency rooms. So, and in the welfare office. So I have kind of a, I'm kind of, I get to be in the trenches for a lot of the time as much as I can be. Um, so that's kind of my background going into kind of giving you kind of some of that street cred that allows me to <laughs> do the stuff that I'm going to be doing here at Artisan um, in terms of the justice outreach. Um, so some upcoming dates, oh, let me, Say one more thing. Um, some upcoming, well, I'll go with this. The upcoming dates, next Saturday, well, this coming Saturday, which is the 16th from 12 to 2, we are going to have a kind of, I don't, I don't know what we're actually calling it, but it's essentially we're going to kind of start, whoever's interested in kind of being involved in some of this justice stuff that we're going to be doing, we're going to be meeting here from 12 to 2, and there will be two things, two main things that we'll be working on, the first of which is... Um, handing out flyers where some of the homeless folks are around the city because we're going to be doing a food distribution at Washington Square Park at the end of July. So we want to get that kind of information out there so people know when to come, where to come, and what they'll be getting out of it. Um, and that 
that date is the 30th of July, and that'll be from 10 to 2 at Washington Square Park. So next Saturday, 12 to 2, we'll meet here, and whoever wants to go and hand out flyers can do that. And then for the rest of us who are here, I'm going to be bringing all of the stuff that I have collected in donations in the last several months to a year um, that includes clothing, um, hygiene products, food, lots and lots of food. If you remember the food drive we did here a few months ago. Um, and we're going to transform the coat area <laughs> into our kind of stockpile of um, all of the donations that we collect. So that'll be kind of two big projects. We'll, you know, get what we can done, but we'll only, you know, keep everybody here for two hours. Um, okay, and then lastly, oh, and if you want information on this stuff, we actually do have a Facebook page. We're kind of merging a group that I've been doing on my own um, with the artisan um, justice ministry, so in, it's called The Bridge. It actually has a name. It's been group without a name for a long time, um, but it has a name now. We're calling it The Bridge. You can go either to my Facebook page or I'll, maybe I'll even put it on the artisan page, right? Um, and so that's an open thing, and that'll have information and communication about what's coming up, when to be, where to be, all that kind of stuff. And, and then lastly, just the upcoming series is we're actually going to kind of lay out the justice value a little bit more. Scott's going to start next week by giving um, kind of the, a little bit more of a um, fleshed out, you know, foundation of why this is a, a value for artisan. And then I'm going to kind of take it from there the next week and talk about what that's going to actually mean for artists and how we're actually going to apply that and kind of give you kind of an, an overview for the upcoming year, um, which will include, you know, mainly, um, you know, how we're going to put into action and including kind of action items, education, how we're going to kind of educate all of us, me included, on how we can um, pursue this ministry. And, um, and so, yeah. All right. Good. Thank you very much, Anna. Um, I'm really excited for that stuff to start. By the way, if you have anything that you own in the coat room area, today before you leave would be the time to pick it up and move it out of there. The coat room area is not really so much a coat room as a place where anybody stuffs junk that they don't know where it goes, myself included. Um, so please help us out. Pre-flight that. You would be indirectly helping the distribution of food and hygiene products and clothing to the poor if you simply just took a piece of junk out of that coat room before you left today. So something to think about. And then definitely come next week on Saturday if you are all interested in this. I'm going to have a sign-up sheet ready. Um, I'm going to go make one on my computer after the sermon's done here. I forgot to do it, but I will have one ready for you at the end of the service. Um, and so Anna can be in touch with you about the details of that event. But please, if you are at all interested and inspired, if God is stirring your heart for the value of justice, particularly for local justice, go to that event on Saturday. Even if you don't want to do flyers and you hate cleaning things, it'll be the first step in getting connected with people who are really going to do some amazing things in the coming year. So, all right, I gave you our name and what it means. I gave you our mission statement and why we chose it. And I gave you our five values, awe, beauty, roots, community, and justice. And we've just spent a couple minutes talking about justice specifically. In the last two or three minutes I have with you this morning, I want to tell you one thing about where we're going in this year. 
as a church. What is Artisan Church? Well, one of the things that Artisan Church is, is a tenant. (laughs) Is it a surprise to anybody in this room that we don't actually own the building that you're sitting in? You don't have to raise your hands because you might be embarrassed that you don't know everything. Um, (laughs) But welcome to the club. We don't actually own this building, but our very strong hope is that about a year from now, we will own this building. Um, And so we need to do all the things that a a group of people has to do, whether it's a a family or whether it's a church, before they get ready to purchase something. Um, And so in the coming months, you will be hearing more and more about this um, and ways that you can be part of that. We will be having a a fundraising campaign in the fall uh, to try to make this building our own in a way that doesn't strangle us and prevent us from the ability to do the great ministry that we want to do and are called to do. Um, There's lots of work to do during the months that precede that campaign, and and a number of you are already helping helping out with that, Um, but there are others of you who will probably be asked to help out in certain ways in the coming weeks and months. Um, And so please... Please be keeping Artisan Church in prayer as we approach this really monumentous, monumental, momentous occasion. Monumentous. <laughs> uh, it's like misunderestimate. Um, <laughs> please be keeping us in prayer and uh, be thinking about ways that you can be part of that process. Uh, because the truth is, and this is where we go back to our values and say, is it consistent with our values to purchase this building or should we just go somewhere else or should we disband? Um, and actually, it's, I think, very consistent with our values. All five of those values can be lived out better and stronger and better and stronger <laughs> uh, if we own this place, if it's our home, if it's not just the place that we rent. Um, so... Be on the lookout for that. Be aware that that's in the works. Be in prayer for that. And uh, be thinking about ways that you can participate. Um, and uh, someday somebody might come to you and ask you to help out with a certain project. And I, it's my hope that you'll be willing and happy to do that. So that is what Artisan Church is, has been, and what it's going to become. Um, the most important thing that Artisan Church is to me is my church home, and my family of faith. And uh, I am so grateful to all of you for making Artisan the body of Christ and making it in such a way that I feel like, I really do honestly feel like this is the only church I could ever work at, the only church I could ever be a pastor at. And some days I think it's the only church I could ever even attend. (laughs) Uh, uh, And that is not because of anything I did ever um, or any, any smart thing or awesome thing that any other pastor of Artisan Church ever did in its short history. It's because of you. It's because of the people. And uh, thank you. Thank you for being the church. It's been a great time talking about what the church is over the past six or seven weeks, and I appreciate your feedback and participation in all of that. Um, and most of all, I anticipate your continued feedback and participation and living into this body of Christ uh, in the weeks and months and years and lives 
that are to come. So let's pray together. Thank you, God, for this wonderful place uh, that we call our church home, for this spiritual family, and for the mission and values and vision that you have implanted into our hearts. We pray now that your spirit would allow those values and mission to take root and blossom in and around us today and this year and for as long as you give us to live and do faith together in this place. We pray these things through Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.